Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. I thought that we'd be, we're starting to wrap up the end of the year. Obviously, it's December now, which is exciting, but it clearly doesn't seem like any of you guys or many of you listening will be wrapped up a harvest anytime soon, which is good for us because you can keep listening to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's um, really great. We've been really enjoying each of you that share your Instagram stories of harvest and we can reshare them onto our Instagram story. So please keep doing that, guys. It really helps. And it's also fun to see where you're at and what's happening in your area of the world in agriculture. So we really appreciate that. And we love to check in with all of you. Super keen to get into today's interview though. I had the opportunity to interview Laura Bennett, who is the Precision Agricultural Manager for Warakiri slash Jaybreak Cropping. She's actually based in Esperance, but she works on a national basis. Laura actually grew up on a banana farm on the New South Wales Central Coast. And despite originally studying veterinary science, she actually decided to make the decision to move into the Bachelor of Agricultural Science at Charles Sturt University. In her final year of study she got the opportunity to have a three-month placement in WA at Wirakiri at one of the properties where she fell in love with the program and she fell in love with actually being able to farm by the ocean which she'd never had the opportunity to do and she decided to stay on and continue working with Wirakiri and she climbed the ladder there and she now oversees all of their cropping programs of Wirakiri which own and operate over 100,000 hectares of broadacre cropping throughout Victoria, southern and northern New South Wales and southern Queensland and WA. And this was an amazing chat, really appreciated Laura's time and she's such a force to be reckoned with and yeah, it it was super impressive. So I hope you all enjoy it and let's get into the chat. Yeah, it'll be right. Laura, we're recording. Thank you so much for coming and meeting me in person and joining me on the Generation Ag podcast. You've been on my list, honestly, since the beginning, actually. Somebody told me about you two years ago and what you're doing here (laughs) in Esperance. So I'm so excited to do this and have this conversation. We always start off with one conversation around your childhood. So tell me about yourself and your childhood. Oh, cool. Thanks for having me, Lavinia, firstly. Um, So I'm a fourth generation banana farmer by trade. So (laughs) I actually grew up on a small coastal town, um, Bulgulga, on the north coast of New South Wales. Um, I lived on a small farm, bananas, beef, cattle. Um, I was the youngest of four kids and, yeah, just had the basically the best of both worlds in that we were farm kids helping dad on the farm riding horses in the bushland that kind of thing but also enjoying all of the great things that the ocean can provide so yeah it was a really really good childhood I think something you don't realize until you're reflecting back yeah what is 
banana farming like I actually we have never touched on banana farming on the podcast so this is a good start what 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 even is banana farming I love this because I was so so when I went to uni and went to ag and everyone's like I'm a sixth generation sheep and like wheat farmer yeah I was so embarrassed to be a banana (laughs) farmer because I thought it was so weird and then I've grown up and owned it because it is so cool it's not something you made every day so um, banana farming is, yeah, so we're lucky to be in this subtropical pocket yeah. in, um, in that we can grow bananas on north-facing hills. So we're the furthest south banana farming region in Australia on the east coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so they're just like big old palm trees and we yeah. have plantations and, yeah, they're really intensive. Everything's done by hand. So when I got into Broadacre, I was like, oh, never going back to Hort because yeah. it's so much easier in Broadacre, obviously. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's wonderful. Like the environment for bananas to grow up in is basically the best to be a person in because, you know, nice, um, you know, they like warm temperature, not too hot, but plenty of rainfall, good fertile soils. And yeah, it means that growing up, we had an abundance of fresh fruit. So yeah. it was awesome. Oh, yeah, I know. Imagine fresh bananas <laughs> off the tree. Not something we get here in our no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> we could wish, but n- not likely. And you went to high school and then when did you decide that vet was going to be something that you wanted to study? Oh, how much time do you have? Oh. <laughs> it's such a backstory. <laughs> I, I love a backstory if we can shorten a little bit. Yeah, I was shortened. So basically... Um, I always saw myself in ag. I think once you are born on a farm, you're just immersed in it and everything will always come back to being in ag. Um, But I, you know, I'd grown up on the coast and on the east coast is very different to Esperance. We're so lucky here in that the coasties and the country folk all kind of cooperate and get along and mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Over east, there's the Great Dividing Range and you're either a farmer to the west of it, which is, you know, minimum for four hours drive to the beach yeah or you're a cozy kind of townie on the east coast you know yeah. there's no there's no broad acre farming um yeah. close to the coast so you know I'd grown up by the coast and I thought while I love ag and I always wanted to be an agronomist I thought no I need to you know we, we don't sell agriculture very well to young people like Hence this podcast. <laughs> we do not tell a good story and no. I was like you know Ag, I want to be an agro, but I don't want to be work to the bone. Mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, I want to have work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to work anywhere, whether mm-hmm. it be at the coast or, you know, in the country. And I didn't think agriculture would give me that mm. option. So, um, yeah, I got really good marks and I thought that would be something where it would tie in a passion for ag and a passion for animals mm. with the ability to, you know, work part-time if need be or work wherever I wanted to. Yeah. Amazing. I love that you say you wanted to have flexibility work by the coast. Like you've manifested the career you have now, you know. You've absolutely manifested that. So obviously you went into studying vet. When did you realise vet wasn't for you and you were actually going to change your degree to a Bachelor of Agricultural Science? Yeah, so I was very lucky to get into vet. Um, It's a really difficult course to get into. Um, The one that I studied obviously was a – country-based university which is I think it probably is the only one in Australia that is rural based and so there's a bit of a process behind it you know they do they're targeting people who will live in regional areas yeah um so you know everyone tries pretty hard to get in I quite feel like I fluked it sometimes but you know we're in vet and so everyone there is like 
since I was three, I've wanted to be a vet. And yeah. you know, I was like, yeah. I felt so guilty. I was like, I never wanted to be. You know? yeah. I just thought that you it would be a really great yeah. career. And I love animals. I raise them. Like I'm, you know, anyway. So I completed my first year of vet, passed, but didn't feel quite satisfied, you know. And mm. everywhere along the road, we had a lot of work experience in vet because I try to wean you out early. Yeah. Um, and every vet was so negative about, you know, that's not the place to be and that kind of thing. Mm, I'm not sure if you know, but vet. So on our second day at uni, this guy rolled in from beyond blue and was like, just, just so you know, vet has the highest depression rate, suicide rate and divorce rate of any profession. (laughs) Very (laughs) morbid. Right. And I was like, okay, great. I was 18 two days ago. What have I signed up for? Yeah. Um, So anyway, long story short, I, went and for summer break worked as a bug checker in cotton which is basically being the scout for the agronomist so um you just go out and twice a week um every week you check every single cotton crop every you know every day you're spending just checking for bugs and walking around in mud in 45 degree heat and I literally felt more whole and more happy than I had ever felt before yeah and I was like this is it I have to make this change I want to be an ag and everyone I spoke to was like are you kidding there's so much opportunity in ag you can work part-time full-time anywhere you want go and teach ag if you want you know so yeah I made that decision nine years ago now and never ever have looked back (laughs) That is amazing. <laughs> just just inspecting the bugs in cotton. So you're in cotton over east and then you ended up coming over to Esperance where we, we're looking out over the bay now. It's quite lovely. Aren't we lucky? Yes, very blessed. So how did you end up here? What was the story behind that? Oh, here's another fluke. Like just say yes to every opportunity, kids, and you'll end up in some weird places. But um, so I loved cotton. Like there was, you know, no crop competes. It's like your first love, you know. You're like, (laughs) this is just, I love growing it. It's so intensive. You know, you have to baby it. It's, you know, high risk, high reward. It's it's a great crop. Anyway, for my final year of university, I had to do a three-month work placement. And that was during winter, which obviously cotton isn't growing in. And I was like, oh. And, you know, I'd been doing this crop scouting for a few years and that works closely with agronomists. And I was a bit fed up with, you know, providing quite sound advice that we'd, you know, very insightful and the farmers kind of disregarding it. So Mm. I thought maybe I just need to have a little quick look at farm management, get that out of my system, realise I want to be an agronomy, you know. Um, So I went to my course coordinator and he... And he actually said, oh, Warakiri Cropping are a great company and they've taken people, um, you know, for the past few years and everyone has a great experience with them. Maybe it's something you should do. So I thought, yep, that'll be great. Drive some tractors, get that out of my system. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then... As we all do. Yeah. <laughs> so I rang, um, yeah, I had an interview with the CEO and he said, well, there's, you know, three farms you can go to. And one of them was, you know, Central Vic. And I was like, well, that sounds boring. Um, one of them was like 10 minutes up the road. And I'm like, no, I want to see the countryside. And the other one was Esperance, WA. <laughs> and I had not even looked on a map. I just thought Esperance was Exmouth. <laughs> so I literally was like, this is going to be perfect. I'm going to be farming and swimming with like oh. whale sharks. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds you great. You got the sharks, right? <laughs> So, so I was like, yeah, three months, what hurt, what could hurt? You yeah. know, I'll go to WA, see the countryside. And I flew in and, um, I actually drove straight to the farm, didn't see the ocean. Okay. And then the first day we had off, like, you know, that weekend or something, 
I drove down to Cape Arid. So where the Warakiri farm is here is only kind of six k's from the beach. And I drove down to the beach and I remember just almost crying because I knew I was never leaving. Like I was like, I cannot believe I found this place where I can farm, broad acre and do everything I'm passionate about, but be so close to the ocean, which means so much to me. Yeah. Here we are five years later. <laughs> you honestly manifested. You actually put the words out there and you, you're you kind of, you're actually living your dream. <laughs> it's so insane. My brother jokes and calls it my spiritual place because it's literally farming by the ocean. Like you couldn't get more me. Yeah, that's unreal. And I want to hear about your journey with, you know, going into corporate ag and what that has been like because now you're precision agricultural manager of Warakiri. So can you tell me a little bit about the process of first starting out for that three-month stint and how you're still here in your role now? Yeah, I've been I've been really lucky. I, I feel I've come into the business at a really great time. So we're going through this period of growth and um, there's lots of opportunity for really great people in the business. So I came on as a work experience student and the CEO asked me, you know, we're starting up a grad program next year. I would be really great if you could join us, Um, you know, have a look and see what you think. And I thought it gave me a great opportunity a couple of years in the industry and you got to do different placements um, and also one in head office in Melbourne. And I thought, yep, that'll be, that sounds like a really great thing after uni because, you know, ag's so diverse. It's like, where do I actually want to go? Yeah. And this whole time in Esperance would blow my mind because this whole time I'd just been, I'm going to be a cotton agronomist. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I love, you know, I do love farming and you don't have that ownership over your work when you're an agronomist. So Mm. I, yeah, I took the graduate program, you know, a place in the grad program with Warakiri cropping. And then, um, yeah, we did the next two years. I did another 12 – I did 12 months in Esperance and then six months in Dolby in southern Darling Downs in it's Queensland. Weird, weird fact. Kayla's from Dolby. Oh, how really? weird is oh it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's just, a Queenslander. Just a weird – how weird that you <laughs> have that. your base there and oh, base it that. wow. Just the circle <laughs> of life bag, isn't it? Oh, they're all how small the industry is. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But, but, um, but, yeah, and then I ended up in Melbourne for six months, which was really cool because – corporate ag in the city is unreal you know Melbourne is home to a lot of headquarters of agricultural companies yeah, and absolutely. so you'll be in the city and it's it's literally like if Suits was based around ag like it's so awesome you know you're in the city and you're enjoying everything that that has to offer mm. but you're also then coming back to work and coming into a, a room where you're talking grain prices weather conditions you know machinery deals that kind of thing mm. so um, yeah and then I got offered a job full-time back in Esperance because I I really yearned for Esperance I really missed it when I was away and I came back um did a year on the farm and then you know at the start of 2020 COVID I think makes you reevaluate a lot of things 100%. um you know I was stuck over here away from my family and I you know I was thinking perhaps perhaps the Esperance journey might have been coming to an end because you know I just was like is this really it um so I had a talk with the guys in head office and they said well actually there's an opportunity for you in head office if you would like to be there um setting up basically our management systems on farm and then moving into the precision agriculture role which is where I am now and yeah Yeah. I jumped at it because it kind of ties in perfectly with allowing you to you know use your brain and make some real change and and be able to see 
you know, I really wanted to get out of the aspirants bubble and back into a bit more of a peripheral view of everything yeah. um, happening across Australia and, and learn some more and also develop a few other skills and yeah, just farming, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So on a day to day, what is your role and what are you doing? Because yeah, you're not just here in aspirants. You're, you're technically in Melbourne. Yeah, try working three hour time difference, <laughs> but knocking off WA time. Um, no, an average day, I guess, we'll just say at the moment, because it will change kind of depending on the time of year. But at the moment, harvest data is really crucial. So yeah. um, I've currently, I did the numbers and we've just got under just 60 headers operating across Australia right now that I'm trying to change starter out just casually 60 (laughs) headers so that's a mix of contractors and in-house own operate so um and it's across yeah 17 farms from southern queensland to victoria and then all the way through top of the wheat belt to the bottom down here in wa all battling Um, the interesting weather conditions oh my gosh if you're right i know these estimates guys like get the perspective the poor (laughs) east coast farmers are battling um but but yeah so it's basically I always try and start the day with, um, you know, even if I could start as early as I wanted and I'd still be way behind the East Coast. (laughs) So it's usually a catch up on emails and make sure I haven't missed anything Mm -hmm. from the early morning happenings. Um, Because I also, you know, there's many facets to my role that's not just PA. I also help with the grad program still and, um, you know, I help with our farm reporting system Mm. so um but yeah i'll check some emails make sure i haven't missed anything and then yeah try and wrangle this harvest data check that everything's flowing in through the system and looks pretty sound um and then i basically am trying to um catch up with farm managers catch up with you know external guys to talk you know we're still in the process of setting up all of this precision ag help so um It'll be, what are your issues? What are we planning for next year? How can we get this off the ground? Mm. Um, and then it's also briefing the guys above me and keeping everyone, you know, up to date with the happenings of the strategy as, um, yeah, it, this is next year will be the first year it's fully internalised. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. yeah what a massive good. role, but like amazing growth for you as a person. Yeah. And I guess next year when when and if our borders open, you'll be doing a lot of traveling, I assume. Yeah, I've actually locked in six weeks for February and March over there just to catch up with the guys because I've been working, yeah, remotely from Esperance since or like August last year and working, you know, there's some guys, some of the farm managers that I haven't seen for a couple of years that I work with really closely on a day to day. And I, yeah, I can't wait to go and have a few beers with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that in agriculture, we're so lucky probably with COVID having given us all the opportunity to be able to work remotely, but there's nothing like an in-person conversation in this industry to actually see Mm -hmm. change. And you spoke about it before that you play an active role in making sure that your farming practices that you want implemented are actually happening. So I guess mm-hmm. that that must be a massive part of what you're really excited for for next year. Yeah, it's definitely something to be said for, you know, I've I recently went up to the Northern Wheat Belt to hang out with a couple of the farm managers up there and just being able to be on farm and have those casual you know we call them kind of water cooler chat but it's kind of that driving around the farm kicking the dirt you know I get so much out of those interactions and I actually can you know if you sit someone down over a zoom call and say what do we want to address on your farm next year you won't yield the same results as if you go and actually get out in the field with them and 
kick the dirt, rub out a wheat head and they'll just, you know, be saying as they're driving around what they've been thinking mm-hmm. and what they want to do and you get so much out of it. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get over East again, actually. Yeah, I bet, I bet. I'd love to know what the season for you guys has looked like. What has 2021 been? I mean, obviously, we just spoke about a few weather challenges, but this season across the country has been a big one. So how has it been for you guys? Yeah, it's definitely a really exciting time to be in ag. Um, The East Coast seems to be on that 10-year cycle. So Mm -hmm. we're going back through that wet La Nina stage now. So it's been really great for some guys that had really tough times, that 17 to 19 drought, Mm. to be able to roll out of that now and, you know, be pulling off incredible yields. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think everyone's had a really good finish East Coast has been pretty lucky. Um, WA guys, obviously, as you know, we got a very hard finish in, not so much finish, but we had a hard August, September, and that's kind of the money-making period. So a great start, and everything was looking like a decile 10 year for the whole portfolio, but we've ended up probably, you know, WA's pulled back a bit, but still, I mean it's probably worse to have big yields that you can't get to, isn't it? Like the yeah. East Coast guys. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. 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 It's definitely one of those things where I think we don't realize outside of the industry how much weather plays an important part. Mm-hmm. And this year, you know, people are seeing the floods and they get confused. They're like, oh, I thought farmers want rain. And you're like, <laughs> uh, not right now we don't. Like it can be really difficult. Difficult. So for you trying to juggle that, not just here in Esperance, but also in the Weeper, also in Victoria, also for New South Wales mm-hmm. and across 60 headers, how do you how do you keep functioning? How do you manage your, you know, process of thinking about things every day? How are you doing that? Like what keeps you organised? I... I am like the queen of if you think it, ink it. I have to write everything down. If I am, I'm like, I will write it on a computer. I'll write it in my diary. You know, you have to keep up with, you, yeah, if you think anything, write it down. But I have a really great team that I lean on. So between the two companies, Warakiri and Daybreak Cropping, there's four, um, sorry, six um, kind of operations managers based regionally. Mm-hmm. So in Daybreak, there's an east and a west coast. And then in Warakiri Cropping, there's kind of two in WA and two on the east coast. Yeah. And I lean on those guys so much for my the funnel of like that's how I get a lot of information to the yeah. farmers if I need to get it there quickly and I can't ring all 17 farm managers. Yeah. But I also rely on them to keep me updated on, you know, we have a monthly catch-up minimum um, with probably some more casual chats in between of what's the, what's things looking like, how is everyone going, what are the, you know, what's the mood on farm, what are we projected for, you know, harvest start date or whatever it might be. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, very lucky to have some really good really good team members in that space that kind of you know when I have an idea I can run it past them and they can kind of throw back the farm opinion of that without me having to chase it from every single farm manager yeah I would be really interested to know what some of your biggest challenges have been working not only in the industry but also in your corporate role but you're navigating a new role like how what framework do you even go by? Like, yeah, I'd love to, I'd be really interested know. to know. I some days I'm such a sucker for routine and I'm like, I miss being on farm where literally at this time of year, you know, it's like, we're just, we're just harvesting and that's it for like three months. Yeah. And so every day it's like, is it sunny? Tick, you know, we're harvesting tick, yeah. grain in the bin, in the truck, go, yeah. you yeah. know, I'm, I absolutely miss that. But um, yeah, I guess with challenges, I suppose it's been, yeah, there's been a lot of 
you know, navigating the unknown. You know, even when I went back on farm, I was a junior assistant farm manager post-grad program and I really found, you know, I was 24 and navigating management of, you know, people of different genders, usually a lot older than me, I found that quite difficult. Mm. Um, That's been a challenge, but, you know, I think provided your superior helps you out. So if your boss is confident in what you're saying and you prove yourself, you know, it's you can manage your way around it. Yeah. Um, I guess in terms of the corporate challenge, sometimes wrapping your head around the scale and the different farming systems around Australia is just overwhelming, you know, like like you said, trying to keep a track of seasonal conditions and forecasts for 17 farms is just crazy, you know, and you have to be careful because each farm manager you ring can be having a different day, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely have suffered imposter syndrome through most of my experience. Yeah. I've been super lucky with my career progression in that I've managed to kind of, you know, been in the right place at the right time and, and moved up through the ranks pretty quickly. But you do get that imposter syndrome of being like, oh my gosh, can I handle this? You know, mm-hmm. when you're pitching a big idea to the board or, you know, I'm I, we've recently recruited another, you know, there's been two other grads behind me that have come into head office. But when I first came into head office in corporate, you know, we run a pretty lean machine and everyone there is, you know, no offense to anyone listening, um, that I work with, but they're all kind of like maybe 10 years or more older than me. So it, it, that was definitely something as well. You know, it's like, oh, these guys, they're so brilliant and capable and good at their jobs. And then I rolled in with no experience in that area and you Mm -hmm. do suffer a lot of imposter syndrome yeah and sometimes I'm like oh just put me back in the field where I know what I'm doing you know yeah yeah I think that's something with that career progression particularly in your 20s that I think a lot of us struggle with because we're at that point where we want to have growth in our career but Mm -hmm. it can be a real struggle did you when you decided to take on this role was there a lot of thought process that went into that or like your heart knew that this is the challenge you're ready to take on I think it was one of those things where I knew, you know, this is definitely something you really want to do and it gives you the ability to use your degree and use your brain and your experience to make a real impact in, mm. the, in this, in, not just in the company, but in the industry, you know, like skilled professionals in the precision ag space, very limited on, very limited, you yeah. know, like yeah. technology has progressed at such a rate that we haven't been able to to really, you know, the industry hasn't been able to keep up Mm -hmm. and which is fine. But, you know, at some point you have to realize that it's the best way forward. It's the best way for best practice, sustainability, that kind of thing. And I knew it was a field I wanted to be in. I'm fascinated by precision ag, variable rate technologies, you know, exact applied, that kind of thing. And really understanding soils and the characteristics of soils and where water is and all of that kind of stuff. And using the tech that is there that we already have Mm -hmm. to actually make better decisions, you know. I'm a very sciencey person. I love data-backed decisions. And I think there's a lot of farming that really probably – a lot of farmers that don't do it well, you know. And I think – you know, I, I did want to go into this role and I thought it was a great opportunity and, you know, I just finished watching Suits. So I was <laughs> like, this is perfect corporate ag. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I guess the reality though is that it was a brand new role and I have had to face the challenge of making it my own and, yeah, mm. not having a given task list, not having a yeah. handover, being the only one in my precision ag team, you know, it's, it yeah. is a, it's been a daunting process but, like, 
you know, we were speaking about earlier, you come a long way in a short period of time when you have to be out of your comfort zone every day. Yeah. And you just have to make executive decisions and go with it. And I think making mistakes and, you know, taking this left or right path, whichever, like you have to do that in a role mm-hmm. like that to grow and to Absolutely. process it. You know, we're in such a changing time in ag, like at the moment you just spoke about data and obviously corporate, the way that you guys do things is so thorough. So it's like you're you're growing as the role grows as well. It's, it's amazing, which brings me to my next question. I'd love to know what is like working in corporate ag, particularly in the role you're in now, and what are some of the best practices that you guys do that you're really proud of but also some of the best opportunities that corporate has provided you or and on farm as well yeah so I think one thing I've realized we do really well is our I guess through our accountability to our investors we have to have a really great understanding of financials and our you know profitability as well as just use of chem like we have excellent record keeping because we have to be kept to the highest standard and you know, through that comes really great practice. It comes better decision-making because you're always looking at the numbers and you're making the best decision based on, you know, data, based on, you know, obviously experience as well. But we can actually, you know, it gives opportunity and I know in WA especially for things like large-scale soil amelioration programs, you know, you do the trials, you do the work and you show that it works and you show that the numbers work and it works out in the field and then they have the capital behind them to drive that and you can do large-scale programs like that, you know, and there's things this year, you know, harvesting in the eastern wheat belt on a on what was a pretty poor finish and getting huge yields in canola, which has forever been known as a, not a viable crop in that area. You know, yeah. it's it's really exciting being able to input that science and and you know the financial stuff together so that we can end up making really good decisions. Um, but yeah, I think just in terms of like opportunities, we're allowing a whole cohort of people who don't have the opportunity to farm the ability to farm you know the ability to have ownership over over that lifestyle because you know not everyone has capital not everyone is born on a farm Mm -hmm. you know and we have some wonderful wonderful people in our business that have you know brilliant farm managers and through one way or another they would never have that opportunity otherwise so you know it is a pretty it's a great space to be and it's definitely not the you know the big stereotype that a lot of people think it is yeah absolutely which is exactly why I wanted to talk to you today (laughs) I think you can tell from this conversation how much of a people approach and community approach even though it's corporate that you guys still have which I think is so important Mm -hmm. before we wrap it up I've got a couple of questions for you and one of them is what do you see for the future of the agricultural industry oh I don't know how to attack this question because there's so much um I guess I think that farmers are the original environmentalists and sustainability you know like we who you know there's generations and generations of people on farms that have turned the soil and wanted it to be a secure you know life for their children and their children's children like I would love to see environmentalists and farmers actually get on the same page and us to undergo you know not so much less scrutiny but have more trust with them and know that you know and get everyone on board and actually realize that agriculture is a way forward for a lot of our issues you know Mm -hmm. like 
there's so much buzzwords around carbon farming, net zero, all that kind of thing. But I'm like, we do, we have the opportunity, we have the land, let's let's work together to fix the, the planet, you yeah, know? absolutely. Um, but also, yeah, like I said, continue sustainability, not just in an environmental sense, but also kind of financial sense of let's use data to and science to do best practice. And I guess I have to flag here because of who I am. Um, I'm so pro women in ag and, you know, it's something that we still don't probably have the answer for, but I'd love, you know, I'd love an industry in the, in the future where people like me don't even mention that, you know, and I feel like in my company, I don't think about it. You know, the other day someone pointed out that um, there was only two of us girls in a meeting with 40 guys, but I don't even notice that, you know, because we're all so equal. But yeah. I think there's other people, you know, and you've had some on your podcast that don't have the same experience. And I would love for it to not even be a discussion point. It to just be norm to have women in ag and have them feel equal, respected, valued and never uncomfortable or discriminated against. Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely well on our way, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah. And finally, where can people find you if they want to get in touch or reach out? Where are the best places to go? Um, I guess my Twitter, I need to be more active. I've been in the office a bit this year setting everything up, but once I get back on the road, I cannot wait to showcase, you know, all of Australia in a way in terms of the, obviously the wheat belts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Laura underscore Aggie, don't ask about that <laughs> name. I made it when I was so young and I was scared of internet security. You know, you can change your username. <laughs> what? No. Yeah. On your desktop. You oh can definitely- my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, hold that I'll change it <laughs> maybe I shouldn't Laura's got Aggie I feel like that's fine it's iconic it's iconic <laughs> it's iconic it's like those like, those email the hotmail addresses you make when you're 12 and you never escape them <laughs> sh- I'm gonna create your hashtag now. hashtag Laura Aggie <laughs> we're gonna be um going global oh with that God. one right <laughs> no so Laura underscore Aggie um yeah would probably be the best place my Instagram is just crops and dogs and not much else so it's probably not and you're li- you've, you're on LinkedIn as well, aren't you? I am. Yeah, yes, we'll that's that another too. one. I yeah. need to post a lot more on. Um, yeah, so right, I'll, I'll I'll help you out. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm gonna do more on my own as well, and I'll just encourage everyone. We'll all just do it together. I'll do the cheeky share. I love being a side <laughs> bystander, just sharing great articles and not having to curate them yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I love repurposing content. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much. That was such a great conversation. I've so appreciated you taking time out of your day to come and meet me in person and so excited for everyone to hear this conversation thank you so much i've really enjoyed it thank you so much for listening to this episode of generation ag we hope you loved it if you did don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.